right, I'm with Brian Kellen. Brian has opened for me for, uh, how long has it been, Brian? Seven years. And people always ask, uh, like on Twitter and all that stuff, you know, who's the guy that uh, opens for you? It's Brian. Um, Where are you from, Brian? I want you to tell me your story. Okay, I was uh, born in Chicago, youngest of four children. And uh, I only lived there for about six years. My father worked for IBM, so we transferred quite a bit. I moved to Southern California when I was about six or seven years old. And uh, What part? I lived at, uh, moved out to Westlake, California, just outside of Thousand Oaks, which is a really nice area, but when we moved in, we kind of got a break. It was, uh, IBM moved us, definitely a higher neighborhood than we were like financially able to survive in, but we, uh, we struggled for a while to, to kind of fake people out for a while. What, what, how old were you? I was six years old. I lived there till sixth grade, so I was about, so about six years. Yeah. And then uh, I moved to San Jose, California, because my father got transferred, and, uh, I lived uh, in San Jose till I uh, graduated high school. Actually, uh, excuse me, I graduated or actually my second year in college, and then uh, I got a scholarship to Cal State Northridge back down in Southern California. Uh huh. So I had a football hey, scholarship. T- tell the story of the coach that uh, saw you and like the how good an athlete you were, and then <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I love that. It's a great lesson for kids because uh, you know you don't think when you're a kid, so. I uh, I had some colleges looking at me. I was I was undersized, but I was pretty quick and I could jump. I had pretty good hands, so I was getting recruited as a wide receiver. And Santa Clara University, uh, I, I became very good friends with the, the football coach there. And uh, how did you guys meet? Uh, he uh, would come to my high school. He'd heard some things about me. He would come and see me work out in the summer before the seasons would start, like since my sophomore year. Yeah, because he kind of saw you. Yeah, saw some promise in you. Developed a relationship with you. Yeah, and he, and, he, and he followed me throughout my high school career and always saying, we're going to get you over to Santa Clara, we'll get you, you know, you're going to be a receiver for us, I think you're, you're a perfect fit, that kind of thing. So I thought I was in. And, you know, you're working towards that guy. I would play his football camps every summer, and uh, we were actually pretty close. And what happened was they said, all you got to do is cha- uh, send over your transcripts. And Santa Clara is like a, it's a private school, so you need some good grades to get in there. So they still had some higher qualifications even for athletes. And they asked me, what do you think you have? I'm like, well, a 3.0, somewhere around there. I had no idea. I thought I did a 3.0. So they get my transcripts. I had a 2.3. <laughs> <laughs> and they go, and they look at, and I'm there with my, my football coach in high school. I'm with my, my coach to be in college. And they both looked at me and said, uh, sorry, son, this is not going to happen. Wow. You just lost a scholarship. So lesson learned, go to school. So I lost that scholarship. I went to junior college for a year and a half, and um, and they uh, uh, I got a scholarship from, at Cal State Northridge when I still had a football team, which was a great deal because I was undersized. It was Division Two ball at the time, and uh, they gave me a full ride, which is unheard of nowadays. Right. So I played down there for a while. I actually uh, I started every game I was there, and I did fairly well. But, you know, not going to the pros or anything. So there I was. But well, how did you? Uh, how did you? How did you first decide to uh, do stand-up? Like, was it something that you always thought about? Yeah, I, that was always my dream. You know, you're you know you're afraid to tell people your dreams a lot of times. I think that's a big problem with kids today. Is they you know they know what they want, but they're afraid to, to grab it. And that was me. I was I always wanted to be a comedian. I mean, people would joke, "Hey, you're funny. You should be a comedian." And inside, I'd be like, "Yes, that's exactly what I'm gonna do." I right. didn't have the balls to say, "Yeah, I'm gonna be a comedian." Someday. But how were you funny? What were you funny with things that you said or? 
because on in on stage you're uh, very physical. Yeah. But was it was it uh, were you kind of goofy with physical stuff or 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 did like stuff just come to you? I you know I had I had a, a little bit of a wit to me, but what people, made people really laugh is I would make you know kind of cartoons out of everything. I would imitate things in just such a distorted way. You know that that's kind of I knew that was always my niche. I always knew that was what I did best. Is I made things bigger when I imitated them. Right. That was my deal. And uh, I always wanted to do it. And it wasn't until I was, you know, I mean, fast forward in the story, it wasn't until I was 30 until I started stand-up. And uh, I, I went to college at Cal State Northridge. I graduated with a psychology degree. I got a sales job right out of school. I was doing, I was on the path of corporate America. You know? Right. And then, uh, and I was miserable, just miserable at every job. It, it never worked out. And then I left like sales and corporate areas. So I went into psychology the, the field, like I worked with autistic kids for like five years, you know, things like that. And I never, I never found my niche. I was always unhappy with because I always wanted to be a stand-up. I was living in L.A. for one reason. I wanted to get into show business. And right. I didn't have the balls to do it. So what year was that? That was, uh, I graduated in 89 from Cal State Northridge. And I, uh, so probably early 90s, all the way up to 97. I lived in Southern California. And I got, actually got on stage. I took a class, stand-up class in L.A., Finally, had the guts to do that. What class was that? It was uh, Greg Dean's Comedy College, I think it was called. And I was, I was literally, I was the worst guy because you know it was those things are good for people when you know for writing comedy they right. kind of help you write comedy. I was never, I still am not that kind of guy who, who writes real well, real crafted jokes. You know, just kind of it, it evolves. And um, he was a great guy. They got me on stage. That's what I, I thank them for. But I just wasn't good in, in class. I was never. I never had it, you know, and in class, I remember going to this class, I took two, two like long sessions and, uh, and my jokes just didn't sound good. You go home, you write 20 jokes, you come back, you give your best three and no one ever laughed at my three jokes that I wrote. But then at the end, we did a show, somehow I was halfway funny, right? you know, and it wasn't a real show. So I, I thought I was terrible. So I quit doing it. Actually, I, I take it back. I went to the comedy store and did it a couple of times at one in the morning in front of three drunks and cool. just... Said comedy's not for me. I don't. I'm out. So, I was working. Uh, my I had another sales job. I was working as a. Uh, uh, I, I was, was selling pagers and cell phones to the studios in L.A., which was it was exciting because the studios. I wanted to be there. Right. You know, it was like Warner Brothers. I'm like on the set of Warner Brothers. I'm I'm you know at at the set of uh, uh, Entertainment Tonight. You know, I'm, I, I see all those people in there. I wanted to be in that world. And I'm selling pagers poorly, and people are mad at me for not doing it. You know, it was just right. miserable. So my brother-in-law calls me, and he he had an idea for a, a little business. And he wanted me to move to Northern California and help him get this company off the ground. And I have no real business experience, but, you know, it was an opportunity. I was lost. I was spinning, you know. So I thought, this is what I'm going to sink my teeth into. This is this is finally I found what I'm going to do. I'm going to make some money. This is where, what's, what I'm, you know, cut out for so I moved to Northern California, and you know I'm the only guy running this business. So I'm doing payables, receivables. I'm doing sales, and I'm running this business into the ground. I mean, it was just—it was embarrassing. I couldn't—I didn't have what it took to, to run a business. And my brother, well, he was just really patient, you know, and he couldn't run, run it himself because he had a really high uh, uh, position with another company, a massive company, and he couldn't. It was a conflict of interest. He couldn't run it himself, so he's stuck. And so I finally just said. Uh, miserable i'm working 70 hours a week i gotta do something that i like you know and i try to work out and that wasn't the answer and, and i just started leafing through the, the rags in san francisco 
and they would have open mics. I'd always go to the open mic page, just you know, all. And would you go by yourself? Yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't know anybody who ever did comedy. I didn't know anybody, and I didn't want anybody to know that I wanted to do comedy because it was embarrassing. Who who was doing comedy in San Francisco at that time? Uh, Robert Hawkins was a big comic uh, doing it. Uh, Jim Short was up there doing it. Those guys were kind of leading the pack. Johnny Steele. Johnny Steele was up there, of course. Yeah, and. uh, and, and the punchline was a big club and, and Cobbs. Those were the two main clubs, you know. And I, you know, I had, I mean, when I would watch these guys, I would be blown away. I'm like, there's no way I could be, I could pull this off. But, you know, I, what I had to lose. So I, I, I would go up there. I didn't want anybody to know I did stand up because they would want to go to a show. And it was embarrassing. I was a 30 year old man yeah. trying this out, you know, and doing it poorly. And uh, I went up, I think it was the Java Source Coffee House in San Francisco, the first night I really did stand up. All by myself, went up there and just ate it. And halfway through the set, if you can call it a set, I really didn't know what I was going to say up there. And uh, like a lot of these like kind of hippie guys were at the show drinking coffee, and they stopped my show. Like, hey man, you know what you should do? You should try that joke again. They're coaching me as I'm doing my set, and wow. I would stop and redo my jokes. It was terrible. It was like really bad. It was cool of them, but I was so bad. It was just embarrassing. Everybody knew it was my first time, and it was just terrible. So. Uh, long story longer, I just kept on going up on stage, though. I would go up every night. I would drive an hour from San Jose to San Francisco and just be so nervous. Going. Once I'd see the Bay Bridge, I would stress out going, oh, it's another night of just people hating me, you know, that kind of thing. And I and I and and it would always come true because I, I would eat it every night. I just couldn't find it because I always want to be that physical guy, you know, that yeah. cartoon guy, and it doesn't work in coffee houses. And I just got killed. And I always tell this story. The greatest is that. You know, it's all comics. A lot, you know, ninety percent of the crowd in an open mic at a, at a coffee house is, is comedians, and they would say, "The next guy coming to the stage, very funny guy. Please welcome to the stage, Brian Kellen." And all the rest of the comics in the city would be like, "Oh, this guy's gonna kill us for five minutes." They would be like upset that I got stage time, right, at a coffee house, like because like, I didn't think you were very good. Oh, if they, they didn't want me to waste their time. I was terrible up there. Yeah. They're like, "Oh, we're gonna sit through this." And guy. How did that turn around? Well, what happened was um, a guy named Albert Vallejo. Uh, I don't know if you uh, remember him. He he was part of the scene in, in San Francisco, and he did a lot of corporate events. And I was doing a, a a set at this little place in Concord, in front of literally in front of three people. And Albert was there, uh, just hanging out, watching the, the little show we had. And I'm not doing very well, but I'm making fun of myself. And he think he's like, "Hey, man, you got something. You're you're you got a good personality on stage. You want to you know do." You, you ever hosted a show? I'm like, no. He said, do you have five minutes? I'm like, I, I don't know. I've never done the same thing twice. And he, he goes, do you want to do this or not? I go, yeah, I want to do it. He's like, well, all right. Well, I'm going to have, I'm, I'm going to uh, get in touch with the owners of Rooster Teeth Feathers in Sunnyvale. I know them. And they're going to give you a shot that, to be an MC. And I'm like, ah, I'm not ready. He goes, listen, do you want to do this? you want to be a comedian or you just want to be a guy who does this every night? And Which is really cool of him to say. So, I did it. I was expecting it to happen in a month. The next day, I'm at my job, and I get a call from Jessica Jenkins, the owner of the Rooster Teeth Feathers. And she goes, yeah, I hear you're an MC." And I'm all, yeah, but, you know, I've never emceed a show in my life. And she goes, well, I'd like you to come out tonight. And as soon as she said that, I was like, uh, I can't do this. She goes, I want you to do five minutes, and then uh, it'll be free. And then after that, we'll talk about possibly paying you, you know, down the road. But I need to see you first. I've heard good things about you. So... I, I left my job. It's It was about 1 o'clock. I left everything hanging. All the business to go. Yeah. I went to a uh, a Karo's 
right next to Rooster Teeth Brothers on Sunday, on, on, uh, right, on, right down the street. And I've laid out all the notes I've ever written in comedy. I'm trying to put some kind of act together. I'm stressed out. Of my, and then I'm like, well, it's a Wednesday night. What's, you know, no one's going to be there. I, I'll live through this. And I, I pull up to the comedy club. There's a line wrapped around the building for whatever reason. They wow. were, I mean, I was dying. And uh, I went to the bathroom maybe 30 times before I went on there. And I was stressed so much. So I went up there. And I really don't remember what happened. It's just that I did, I was supposed to do five minutes. I thought I did seven, but what I really did was three. I did three minutes ago. Oh, my stage. God. I thought I did a long set. I got off. I was so nervous. And so relieved that I don't remember if they laughed or didn't laugh, you know. And Jessica Jenkins, thank goodness, she wasn't really savvy to the comics around who were just so much better than me that she could have drawn from. She, she just said, hey, you got all the names right when you introduced them. I think you're a nice guy, and people seem to like you, so come on back tomorrow. And that was the worst news I could hear because that was going to stress out another yeah, full day. Yeah. So slowly but surely, by accident, I did some physical things on stage just because it was unscripted stuff. Right. And that the crowd seemed to like it in the club. So that's when I, I kind of found my groove. Then all of a sudden, I would, I would sprinkle the, the physical stuff in, and that by far was what, my What did you stuff. aspire to? to do back then like what would have made you happy like if you would have said uh, you know ultimately I want to be this and I would be happy uh, you know what I back then I mean my goals were so low and I was expecting so little literally to get paid for comedy was my dream right that was my that to make was a living it. being a comedian yes that was it oh, and and you have all those little sub goals I just wanted to have a good show I just wanted to be able to live my life and say I killed one night you know what I mean? I knocked it out of the park. And uh, it took about, I would say, uh, well, things started happening, and they, they made me one of the main guys there as far as MC. So I don't know how that happened because I wasn't that good. And so I'd been doing it for maybe six weeks at, at the Rooster Teeth Feathers. I would do a couple shows every week. And um, I finally I finally killed. I, I had one show where I killed, and, and, I, and I, at that point, you, you're almost you're like, oh, my God. I killed. I actually killed as a comedian. That's crazy. And then I knew at that point I would never stop doing it. Well, let's fast forward now. Where, yeah. where, where have you performed? Where, 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 where's the highlight of like your career? Like I can't believe I performed there. It's got to be well, one of two places. Radio City Music Hall was unbelievable. I mean, I got to open. I got to open for you at Radio City Music Hall, and actually. One of the most incredible things is you were kind enough to, to have me on the marquee as well. I don't know. It's a special guest, Brian Kellen. I was blown away by that. I mean, I was I was completely blown away by that. And then to perform there and to, and to have a good show there, it was that was like pinnacle. And uh, I mean, it's Radio City Music Hall. I mean, how many people can say that? And then you go into the, the dressing rooms and, you know, Elton John and all those people who've been there. You know, signed the book there, so I I was had a little a, a piece of that was was mine as well, and I could always take that. And then secondly was probably uh, the Toyota Center in Houston, just because it's such a massive place. Yeah. You know, sold out crowd. That was eighteen thousand people. Eighteen thousand people, and it was like a wall, a wall of laughter. I mean, it was that was one of those things where you go, well, there's a lot of people out there, but it was an amazing show too. I mean, I, it was one of the best shows I've ever had. You know, doing. 30 minutes in front of them was unbelievable. So, you know, going from, man, I got to laugh. I'm driving home to my little crappy apartment, you know, and, and probably, you know, going back to my job. And then, then then you fast forward 12 years and you're like, oh, my God, I played Radio City Music Hall. Come on. 
That's ridiculous. Well, you do a great job. Thank you. I wouldn't be able to do what I do if it wasn't for you. And uh, now people know a little bit about you, man. Great. Uh, hey, you know. Could you be telling me your story? Yeah, this is this is uh, it's an unbelievable life. Thanks for that. It's uh, you learn a lot on the road, and a lot of the reason I've, I've been able to achieve all these goals, obviously, is because of your opportunities. And uh, it's crazy to work with your mentor because you learn so much. And then while you're while you think you're a professional, you really you know you learn a lot. I appreciate you. I appreciate you guys are telling me. Take a little trip, take a little trip, take a little trip and see. Take a little trip, take a little trip, take a little trip with me.